Pushing through, I am Tate Frazier, and as always, I am joined by the kid, BJ Armstrong. And BJ, we had quite a night last night. A hero was made right before our very eyes for the Miami Heat. We're going to get into all that today. But first off, I just want to check in. Pulse of the Nation, we haven't been able to talk basketball a little bit, but so far, we got the bubble playoffs. We got, you know, no home games, no away games, just the bubble. We've been fixated here. We're in the conference finals. What's one thing uh, that, that you've seen that's been a little bit different, right? Or is it different? And I think that's kind of the, the, the first question I want to throw out to you before we get into to all this heat talk. Well, the, the one thing that's really stood out uh, besides being in the bubble, which is a very unique situation, is we're not talking about home court. We're not talking about the advantage that these teams should have in the way that they play, the way that the coaches coach, but most importantly, the effect of the fans. And it's really obvious to me observing the game and watching these games in the bubble because these are high pressure games. And not to take away of anything that anyone has done in this bubble, but to watch the performances that we've seen in the playoffs, I think not having the fans there has something to do with this. Because, you know, if you see people scoring 40, 50 points on the road in a hostile environment, that's like a wow moment. Scoring 40, 50 points, I don't care where you score, is is like a big thing. But watching these young men perform under this type of pressure in these situations now it's kind of eye-opening. It's like, okay, what's going on? Why are they feeling so relaxed? And the last game, obviously, look, Tyler Hero is going to be a terrific player in this league. Watching a young man score 30, what, seven points or so in a Eastern Conference Finals in a big game to go up 3-1 against a quality, quality opponent like the you know Boston Celtics, now I'm beginning to look at all of these things and going, okay, these players are playing at a very, very high level. I think it's fun to watch. It's been terrific. But overall, I think not having fans there is a different ball game. And I think that's something that when these players come out of the bubble that I want to discuss with the coaches, I want to discuss with the players because it's definitely a different feel and these players are feeling way too relaxed <laughs> in the playoffs at this point. And BJ, you said it right there when you're talking about Tyler Hero, 20 years old. I mean, uh, after the game last night, you know, Brad Stevens, coach of the Celtics, obviously comes out and he said that, you know, the basket looked like an ocean to that kid. You know, he was impressed with his confidence. Eric Spolstra says there's a certain level of fearlessness that he saw, uh, but it was humbled arrogance at some level. And all these quotes and things are coming out. Magic Johnson in 1980, we're, we're hearing that conversation again about a rookie doing that. He did that, obviously, in the finals. Derrick Rose, someone that you know well, scores 30 point, 36 points as a rookie he's also in that conversation but just from the standpoint of seeing a 20 year old play with such pace where he is not being pressed he is not being uh forced to play at any other play pace other than his own so what is the first takeaway when you see Tyler Hero perform like that last night well Tate you know um there's a couple things and one of the things that really stood out was 
you know, just a week ago or a couple of weeks ago, we had Duncan Robertson on the show. Yep. And we asked him a question. And the question went something like this. You know, what is it about you playing for the Miami Heat? And his answer was very interesting to me because his answer was what was what allowed me to be a good player. Mm -hmm. And it's called confidence. And he's and he said, Coach Spo and the staff says that's my job is to shoot the basketball. Mm -hmm. Now. He said, I won't get taken out for shooting the ball. I'll get taken out for not taking the shots when I'm open. Mm -hmm. Now, that's a little thing, but that means everything to a player. That means, Tate, when he's open, if he thinks he's open, your job is to be able to shoot, which puts pressure on the player. That holds that player responsible. Like, if the coach tells me I got 30 shots and I got to shoot 30 shots, now I got to make those shots. Mm-hmm. So to watch Tyler Hero, I thought of I thought of Duncan last night. I was like, God, you know what? Coach Spo has given his players the ultimate thing that a coach can give any player is confidence. It's not skill. It's not the green light. It's not, you know, telling them he's a good player. It's not <laughs> telling them the you know the the basket looks like the ocean. <laughs> you have confidence. Mm -hmm. Okay. When you're around any great player. What makes a great player? He just has enormous confidence. Mm -hmm. You know, that great player may miss 10 shots in a row. 11 is coming. To watch Tyler Hero play with no hesitation, that to me is what the game is all about. If you're going to lose, lose doing what you do. Mm -hmm. Do what you do. Mm -hmm. But don't allow what you don't do to ever get in the way. I thought of that interview immediately. I thought of, I applauded Coach Spo. I I applauded the, you know, the 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 executives down there in 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 Miami. But most importantly, you know, I applauded the players because you can tell that all of the players know that Tyler Hero. And Duncan mm -hmm. Robinson, when they are open, there isn't any hesitation of what's going to happen. I mean, those young men, it's like, pull! You know, I I, I, I know that feeling, you know, being a, a ex-shooter myself, not to the extent of these guys. 45% from three, people forget. Just want to point that yeah, out. Yeah, you know, I, but that was my job. When I was open, my job was to shoot that shot. And that mm -hmm. put an enormous amount of pressure on me to not shoot shots, to make shots. To watch Tyler Hero, that's confidence, my friend. Mm -hmm. And you come into the game and you know that's your job, that's a whole different ball game coming in going, well, I don't know if I'm going to get some shots. I don't know if they're going to pass me the ball. You can see that Karan Butler, you can see Dragon, you can see you know, all of the players they're looking for those guys because they mm -hmm. know that's their job. Mm -hmm. You know, in the fourth quarter, I love how the, the ball transfers from Dragon to Jimmy Butler in the fourth quarter when it's because they all understand what they need to do to win the game. And they have a plan. They have a formula. And, you know, if anything, again, I can't say it enough. The confidence that this young man has, he will always have that now.
Yeah. Because he knows he got a. It's like you get a little taste of like the truth, and you you never forget it. Mm-hmm. And no matter how many shots I missed in my career, I always had the confidence to go. The next one's coming in because I one I had put in the work, and two, I knew what I was capable of doing. And now that young man now is. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun to watch his career. One thing that I saw, and I find this sort of fascinating, when when I was kind of growing up, there was it was taboo to run a zone defense, it felt like, in the National Basketball Association. You know, if you did that, you were kind of throwing your arms up a little bit and saying, we, we can't guard this guy, so we got to run zone. And now it seems that, you know, I saw, you know, all these people last night talking about Brad Stevens has got to figure out this heat zone. What's he going to do against this Miami heat zone? We saw Nick Nurse last year throw out a box and one at time to, to throw some teams off. Just from watching uh, the chess match that goes on, on from the sidelines in this series so far. I mean, is the Miami is the Miami Heat zone defense that vaunted of, of a defense, or is it one of those things where the variety is what is hurting the Celtics? And is there an answer that you see? Because I, I J, JVG Jeff Van Gunny last night was saying you can drive against a zone. You know, don't don't get stuck. You know, passing the ball outside of a zone. But just from a, a Celtics strategy coaching standpoint, uh, what do you see against this zone, uh, and what can they do to kind of try to alleviate some pain there? Excellent question, Tate. And what I see, just as an innocent bystander, what I see is it's not that the zone is affecting them in the sense that Boston looks, you know, they look like they're unorganized. No, I don't think that's the case at all. What I think Coach Spo and his staff has done is they strategically try to break the rhythm of the Boston Celtics. Mm-hmm. So it's like they unexpectedly, for no reason at all, will go zone. Like they'll score a basket and then they've been playing man the whole quarter. And then for one possession, they go zone. And you're like, and Boston's like, okay, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Because players like to get into a rhythm. They'll play. It seems like they have like, if we score three times in a row or every fourth possession, we're going to go zone. Like, and it just catches the Celtics off guard. Mm-hmm. You know, they're running their offense against a zone defense or vice versa. And that's where I give Coach Spo credit because they are a man-to-man team. Mm-hmm. But strategically, to throw off the rhythm of the Boston Celtics, of the Boston Celtics it's really gotten them out of rhythm. Right. When you know that you have a zone, you're playing against a zone. Okay. The the other, you know, Brad Stevens and company will make the proper substitutions to attack that. But when you're playing and you don't know if you're playing against a zone or a man, it's kind of like they're just doing it randomly. I don't know if it's something that the players are doing. Coach Spo and his staff have picked up on something. But whatever they're doing, if I was the Celtics, I would run my offense against the man offense, I mean, it's the man defense and the zone so that we can't break the rhythm. They get their rhythm and then the zone is making them stagnant because they're mm-hmm. now they're just chucking up threes. Mm-hmm. And that is what the Miami Heat are doing. So I give Coach Spo credit for mixing this up. And, you know, I'm watching the game and I'm a little bit like taken back. But I think he's doing it so randomly Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's no rhyme or reason why he's going zone. I think he's just going zone to keep everybody off balance. 
And it's funny, I, I grew up being a catcher in baseball, and, and you know, obviously you're calling pitches for certain things, and one of my favorite things to do would be randomly just to throw in a changeup every once in a while, and there was no rhyme or re- reason for why I was doing it, but <laughs> you know, you would just do it, and it would throw people off, because you try to get tendency, you try to pick up, like the same right. thing with if you're a defensive end, and there's a quarterback that has, Peyton Manning has a certain snap count, you get used to it, you have an internal clock in your mind, you're like, now... And when they switch it up on you and they throw a little audible and you jump off sides and then he's able to get a free play and throw a touchdown or at least try to throw a touchdown, you know, it gets in your head a little bit because you're like, I thought I had that timed out and now I'm overthinking everything. And I think that, you know, if anything, to, to keep it as simple as that, the, the Celtics are trying to figure out that timing, that rhythm, you know, how they're, you said it could be one in every four possessions they score. Maybe that is what it is. And maybe looking at tape, you know, they, they find that. But it, the variability of it all, I think, has been fascinating. And I think um, just from the standpoint of watching it, as a fan, like you said, we're not there in the bubble. We don't know the conversations that are going on behind closed doors. Brad Stevens may have figured out what the rhythm is, and they're going to implement it in the next game. But it is a, a little bit of showmanship. And I think, you know, just to give Spolstra his due, I find it, um, you know, the, the confidence from him for him to be able to do that, for his team to say, let's yeah. throw this out there. That, that says a lot, too. Yeah, it, it does. And, you know, it reminds me of a story. So when we played the Pistons, yep. we made a commitment to stop running our, not stop running our offense, because we had an offensive system, you know, which has been well talked about called the triangle. But from time to time, we would throw wrinkles in the triangle so that the Pistons couldn't get this rhythm that what we were doing. Because mm-hmm. by, at a certain point of the season, a certain point, in the playoffs, you know all their plays, they know all your plays, and now you're just like defending actions. And what I think Coach Spo is doing is he's going by the principles of the game. And mm-hmm. that's what we did on our offense. So what we would do is every five or six possessions, for no reason at all, we would call we would do what we would call five pass. Mm-hmm. And we would pass the ball to each other five times as fast as we could for no reason at all. <laughs> and I re- always re- re- remember this and we would do it just to mess with the Pistons and their staff because everyone's trying to pick up, you know, so they're trying to pick up each other's plays. So, you know, they would know our triangle and then we would have plays in the triangle and then the coaches would get up and then the players would call out the play <laughs> and clearly they had actions that they would defend against our actions. Mm-hmm. And then there were times where we would come down and go 18, and we all knew that whatever number we call, that meant that we were going to pass the ball to each other five times as fast <laughs> as we could and just run around the court before we actually ran the play. Mm-hmm. And it would confuse the heck out of the team because they would be like, I remember you. I remember Coach Daly would be looking over at his coaching staff. He would be going like, what play is that? Who, who scout <laughs> is this? Like, what are they running? Like, why don't we know this play? Yep. That is what Coach Spoh is doing. So you... And the reason I said what I said is I think Coach Stevens is going to have to abide by the principles. We're going to have to run a sound offense no matter if it's against a zone or a man. Because Coach Spo right now is just throwing wrinkles in the game for no reason at all. But he's abiding by the principles of a, of, of, of a sound offense, which is and that's when, I think that's what Coach Van Gundy was alluding to when he said you got to still penetrate because you still yep. got to penetrate against a zone or a man, and you got to abide by the principles. And I remember playing that game, and it allowed me to see the game in a different. So it allowed me to see the game in a different way. And once I learned that, I said, "Oh, 
I can call and do anything. It's kind of like having a little cheat code mm -hmm. if you're playing a video game because you can like do things and then now people don't know really what you're doing. And being able to play the game with that type of freedom, it's it's empowering. Mm -hmm. And But once I learned that, you know what, it forced me to also learn how every offense is ran in the end. Mm. So then I became a better defensive player because I was like, okay, no matter what they're doing or whatever they're disguising, the guy's got to end up here. So I would patiently wait to go, okay, you're done with that trick? That's a nice <laughs> trick. <laughs> yeah. But you got to start here. So the principles of a sound offense and a sound defense is a very, very high level, especially intellectually for basketball. And I think that's what Coach Spo is doing. Because when I watch it, it kind of makes me laugh. You know, when I watched Coach Nurse, and I remember joking with him when I saw him, I was like, that took a lot of guts. Yeah, to run a box in one. Yeah, To run a box in one. But he was abiding by the principles. The principles never changed. Now, plays and all those things, you can change those things. That was unique. And I think that's what Coach Spo was doing. You know, I'm not coaching the game. I'm not breaking the film down. But clearly, there's a slight hesitation with the Celtics when they do this. Because to the, to the eye, the eye test, you can see that something is going on when they play their offense versus a man and when they play their offense versus a zone. I want to flip over to the other series because you brought them up already. Uh, you brought up both guys, and I think there's two 3D players, uh, maybe even three if you, if you consider AD on the Lakers, but LeBron James versus Jokic. Uh, the Lakers go up 2-0 in this series. If you keep up with the narratives online, BJ, I know you do your best to, to keep your head <laughs> in the clouds from that kind of stuff, but I, but I go in there and I, I get into all that sort of stuff. But people thought that this series was over. It was a wrap. But, uh, you know, you know, just because of the Anthony Davis shot that we saw in game two. But Jokic and the Nuggets, they bounce back in game three. Jokic is, is the 3D guy that we've seen throughout this entire playoff series. So just in that series, what have you seen from the Nuggets that you're impressed by? And and are we at the point where we have a series? Because that's what people like to say, like, the series is over. I, right. It seems like we have a real <laughs> series out west. Well, just think about it. And I try to watch the game with the principles of, like, saying – you know, there's a regular season and then there's playoff. Yep. If we were in the playoffs as we traditionally know it and understand it and have watched it over the years, the home team, which uh, which in this be the Lakers would yep. be the Lakers. They would win. They would have defended home court. Yep. But all of the the critics would have said they barely won in game two, mm. which would mean in game three when they go back home they would have an advantage. Think about that. We've completely changed the narrative from covering the sports, but the game hasn't changed. If the, if the Nuggets would have almost beat the Lakers mm -hmm. at home in Staples Center, there would be concern and doubt the next day going, he had to, he made a last-second shot to beat them just in game two. When they go back to, 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 to Denver, they would be confident. Now... Yep. What I've seen in this series is the following. As I watch the game, I try to watch the game well, the but in the environment that they're watch that they're playing in, currently playing in, and then try to find out what can a team do versus another. Mm -hmm. Game one was interesting because the Lakers came out and established immediately we're going to be physical. Mm -hmm. In particular, with Jokic. Yep. Got him in foul trouble. You know, I think he had four fouls with okay. 11 minutes ago in the third quarter. They came at him 
They included him in every sequence on the offense and defensively. We're going right at him. Mm-hmm. We're going to be physical. You can see Dwight Howard. We can see JaVale McGee. We can see Anthony Davis. And we're not going to allow him to be the Jokic that you've seen thus far. It was yep. very obvious to me. Jokic, for better or for worse, he felt the game out in game one. But they still, they, they, I'm not saying they could have won game one, but they, they made a game of it. Okay. Game two, clearly he made adjustments. As mm-hmm. every great player do, right? There is a if you're a great player, you're not gonna have two games, two bad games. He was he was sensational. I mean, Jokic was he was sensational. Now, he has uh, over and over again showed me why he's a great player, because it doesn't matter. I don't care what you do. Mm-hmm. You know, Dwight Howard is a former defensive player of the year. Anthony Davis is could be defensive player of the year. This year he could have been. And JaVale McGee is as long and as athletic as any of these bigs in the league. Mm-hmm. The man still takes over the game. Yep. So I don't even question. That's why I said what I said last week. Jokic is a top five player in the mm-hmm. NBA. Game two, he did what he had to do. He did it on the box. <laughs> he did it from three. Yep. And he made great play after great play in the last four minutes of a game. It didn't take Jokic didn't take a three in game one, by the way. So he, that's he what I'm saying. This is, he, he didn't is, show his hand. Yeah. Now, when I saw that in game two, I said, okay, this is going to be a series now. Now, I'm not saying that the Lakers aren't going to win, but now this young man, Jokic, has established himself that I don't care what you guys are doing. I'm going to do what I do, and y'all got to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, once you get into a series and you know you can score, now it's just about getting stops. So in game three, I was like, okay, I want to see what Coach Malone is going to do to really limit the Lakers' opportunity to score when they're at their best, which is transition. They've taken away the transition baskets that they normally get. That's why they got such a big lead. Mm. They just took away the transition bat. We can score. We know we can score. We know we can get a shot. We know our best player can't be stopped. Now all we have to do is limit our turnovers and limit all the other things, and we should win the game. And that's exactly what happened. Now, if the if I'm the Lakers, I'm putting so much emphasis on tonight's game, and here's why. Mm. Because if this series goes 2-2, Jokic and company can win the next two out of three. They can do it. Mm-hmm. They can do it. They're one shot away. They're one shot away from this series being, instead of being up 2-1, they could be down 2-1, just from one shot. That team over there knows that they can score. Mm-hmm. Now, can they actually defend and get the stops that's necessary? Because I don't think in the half court that the Lakers can dominate them in half court scoring. Transition, LeBron James is a load. Yep. Has always been. Yep, a freight train. He's always been a load. He's mm-hmm. He is, when he gets on a full steam, you get out of the way. I can yeah. take that. If I can just take that away and just keep this team in front of me, five against five, Denver has a real chance because of Jokic. Murray is a sensational player, has been, but the guy Jokic demands the respect of that entire organization and that t- entire team. Guard him when he walks out of his room <laughs> because he is a major problem. And mm. I think 
everyone in that everybody in that Laker organization know that now. Yep. If you don't know it, just watch this guy Jokic. Now, if I'm the Lakers, again, tonight is the game. Tonight is the game where you say, you know what, we're going to win this series, and then we got to close them out. I don't mm-hmm. think this team this team plays the game with what we call basketball integrity. They have the integrity to be down 3-1 and still play. But I think you got to put them on their heels. I think the Lakers have to win this game because if they win this game, Tate, the series will have shifted. Mm -hmm. And I think Denver knows that they can beat this team now. They know it. They know they can beat them because they've already felt that they gave one game away. Mm -hmm. And probably if I was in the locker room, they probably felt that they played better than the the Lakers in the second half of game one than the first half. Maybe they had the jitters. Maybe they had the the after effect of the last series of playing in a game seven. And then they were like, oh, they kind of hit. They were like, oh, oh, we got another series started. Maybe they just took off in the first half. And Mm -hmm. sometimes that happens, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm a little nervous. If the Denver wins tonight, take you're going to see a different series. I think you're going to see some of the best basketball we've seen in game five, six, and seven uh, of that Western Conference Finals. And, and you hit the nail on the head because Mike Malone in the locker room, they, they showed us a nice little you know snippet after the game when they win game three, and he basically said exactly what you said. He said, we gave away game two, which you know there was a lot of Lakers fans that were upset at that, you know, that phrasing. He said, we gave away game two, and we handled our business in game three. And that's the way that they're framing this. You talked about the confidence. I mean, the fact that they came back from 3-1 in the past two series, it's hard to knock that confidence anyway being down in a series, right? right? They're they're already going to have that built in at some level. And then to have someone like Jokic, and I I just kind of want to piggyback on what you're saying about him being a top five player in the NBA because I think people, they don't really understand what you mean by that. They, They see Jokic back down Anthony Davis and score that shot before he ends up hitting that three and winning the game. But Jokic handled business on that possession, and it was an easy bucket. Like, he just decided, I got to get 3D player. I got to get a bucket right here. I'm going to back him down, and I'm going to get this. We're going to go back on defense and make this happen. I mean, he had a great closeout on Anthony Davis anyway, and that shot goes in. You tip right. your cat to the other team, and you move on to the next game. But what does what does he do at the five position where a Montrez Harrell, who is the sixth man of the year, looks like he's befuddled by the whole situation where you have, like you said, a, a Dwight Howard, who's a great defender, JaVale McGee, who can match up with anybody in the league as far as the length and everything. And, you know, you got LeBron James trying to throw himself at him at times to mix it up. But Jokic doesn't seem phased by any of these these guys that are going at him. So what is that difference? Is it is it just the fact that he's doing it from the five position and able to pass like that? Is it Because it almost feels like a Magic Johnson type situation playing from the five. You know, Tate, you know, I, I, I'm, I've always been intrigued by, with great players. and yeah. Especially I, the bigs. You love the bigs. We have to, I, I we love, have to I, I love bigs. I'm just a, I'm a big trapped inside this little guard's body. But I've, <laughs> I've always, always been intrigued with greatness. Mm-hmm. Always. You know, it's... You know, okay, it wasn't enough for this guy to be good. I had to understand why he was good. I had to understand what makes a great player. And, you know, Bill Russell, I remember I, I remember exactly where I was at. I was in London. We were at some event, and Bill Russell was there, and, 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 and Bill Walton was there, and Rick Berry was there, and Julius Irving was there, and somehow mm. B.J. Armstrong was there. And I was like, God, these are like some of the like, you know, God, I'm, I'm sitting here with Bill, Ru- Bill Russell. I'm sitting here with Dr. J. And I remember I, I said, if I want to be a great offensive player, I, I remember this vividly. I got to understand 
what the greatest defensive player, how he would view the game. So I asked Bill Russell, you know, what makes a great offensive player? And he was just like, he casually kind of looked at me and he just said, you know what? Fundamentals. <laughs> and he went about his way. Like I was waiting on this like profound, like, so half at halftime, I asked him like, we were, went to the game and the game at halftime, I said, what does that mean? He was like, well, if you don't have any counters to anything I do, I will dominate you. Mm -hmm. And most players don't spend enough time with the fundamentals. So then I began to think, I was like, okay, Larry Bird. Okay, Magic got all the what's the name with all the flash, but when you played against him. He's fundamentally sound. sound. Yep. Then I was like, okay, Michael Jordan, everybody talk about, I believe I can fly and jumping around, tongue wigging. <laughs> you had all these distractions, but when you watch them in practice, it's fundamentals. And then mm. I just started like, I was like, God, it was so simple. So now when I watch Jokic, okay, I'm not, he doesn't give us enough distractions to really see his fundamentals because he can't jump. <laughs> He's not fast. <laughs> He's not quick. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but when you watch his game, oh my goodness. I mean, mm -hmm. his fundamentals are just like, I mean, they're at an all-time high. I mean, mm -hmm. I've never seen a big, I, I, I've said this to you many a time, I've never seen a big pass like him on the move. Like he's, I mean, mm. I've saw, I saw Bill Walton, but I've never seen a guy move around the court like him and be in pass. Sabonis out of the post. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So when I look at his game, why is he a great player? Because when you have the fundamentals, Tex Winters, would always tell me, BJ, my job is to coach. And I'm going to give you what my job is, is to equip you with the necessary skills to function and operate under duress in mm. a hostile environment. So when you get to your moment of truth in the last four minutes of the game and you're under pressure, you will have, you will, I will have equipped you with the fundamentals to solve any problem at any moment during the game. Mm -hmm. Now, I had a Hall of Fame coach tell me that my rookie year. And to this day, I still remember that. Now, I didn't understand it. I had to go all the way to London years later to go back and go, oh gosh, like, oh, that's what Tex was really saying. Bill Russell just said it in one word, fundamentals. Mm -hmm. Every great coach that I've ever played for, they all teach the same thing, fundamentals. Mm. you know when I had an opportunity to meet the late coach Dean Smith mm. fundamentals I played for coach K and, and, and USA basketball stuff fundamentals Bill Jackson fundamentals Chuck Daly fundamentals Greg Popovich fundamentals <laughs> watching Steve Kerr right now Fundamentals. All of these teams, Coach Spo, <laughs> fundamentals. Doc Rivers, Brad Stevens. <laughs> it's all the same. Now it looks different. You know, they, they, they dress their they dress it up different, but it's all the same. Okay, playing against a Pat Riley team. When we when he was with the Knicks, 
I just had to be fundamentally sound. Okay, you got to get through all the physical stuff and all that other stuff. When this got done to it, it's, it, it all is. So all of these guys, mm-hmm. Hubie Brown and Mike Fratello and all of those guys, it just, Bill Russell just said it like, like, what's wrong with you, kid? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, how could you, what are you watching? Mm-hmm. So the greatest defensive player in my mind that I've ever seen, whether on tape, I didn't play against him, but I would have just watched. He just said it like so, like, with such conviction. He was like, what else are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. and I always go, and I, and, and what does that mean? That just go back, when you watch this kid Jokic, when you watch Luka Doncic, when you watch these great players, Jokic just has such a fundamental base. It doesn't matter what you do. You double team him, he makes the right pass. You mm-hmm. play him, man, you take away his right, he can go left. You take away his left, he can go right. <laughs> you take away... One shot, he got a counter because he's equipped. So it doesn't matter. That's why he's a great player now. He knows it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what the it doesn't matter what the what the Lakers are gonna do. He will make the proper play. Mm-hmm. He's got all of he's got every tool that you need in the tool set. Yep. I keep hearing the comparisons, right, that come out of these games with Jokic. You know, you, you'll hear, they'll see him step back with one leg and, and shoot this fadeaway, and you'll hear Dirk, you know. And, and and the list goes on of how many guys he's been compared to. Larry Bird, obviously Popovich says he's Larry Bird, a big Larry Bird. And, you know, we've talked about that because of the fundamentals. But Tim Duncan is another name that, that we've seen thrown out, and it all Tim, comes back to fundamentals, the big fundamental, Tim, you know. Tim Duncan, you know, it, it's really, it, it really, the narrative is like who's the greatest player. Yep. And I always go, who's the greatest player, right? You know, Kareem, you know, some Michael. Michael Russell, Wilt. Yeah, the list. Yeah. Will, LeBron. Okay. Tim Duncan achieved as much as any player that's ever played in this game with one skill set. He's the big (laughs) fundamental. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Now, he wasn't as sexy as Jordan. Okay, he's not as sexy to watch to play as he didn't have the distractions. He had the bank a, shot. You know, that was uh, about Le, it. Of LeBron, he <laughs> yeah. wasn't as fun to watch as Michael, uh, as Kobe Bryant, or all of these other wonderful players. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't have the dream shake. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But every player that's ever played this game will tell you if he is not. In the top five, that I don't know what game you watching. Yep. Because that player there, I don't care. And, and I and I and I saw Barkley and I saw Carl Malone and I and and they when I tell you those guys were phenomenal, phenomenal. This guy here though, mm. guy here, he's, he's just a little different though. Yeah. He's cut from a different cloth. Mm-hmm. And all of those guys who played in that era, because that was an era. You had you had Rasheed Wallace, mm. you had Kevin Garnett, you had the king of the double double, Chris Weber, mm-hmm. you had Derek Coleman, you had Barkley, you mm. had all of these guys. And the big fundamental, he could counter anything that was done. Didn't matter. Because when you have that base, you know, you can you can counter anything. So if if anyone is teaching to all of the young listeners, if anyone is teaching you anything other than the fundamentals of the game, you should question mm-hmm. what is happening. Because if you're going to participate in winning, 
That's the only reason you play. You can't win without the fundamentals. You can't win. And that is what you learn at a, you know, that's what you learn. That's what I learned from, I was so fortunate to have coaches at high school and before then and after then where I was in the NBA, mm-hmm. in the NBA finals. And the first drill we would do is, okay, guys, let's work on our bounce passes. <laughs> we were working on our bounce because that bounce pass at the right time is the right play that would win the game. And you had to have that when it was necessary. Mm-hmm. And every single day, you can ask anyone that's ever played for a Phil Jackson team, Tex winner team, every single day. I just asked this to Steve Kerr a month ago. I said, Steve, do you remember those drills we used to do with Tex Winter? Because it was like you, we we run, you come to us to a two, you know, you come to a two foot jump stop, and you would jab and you would pump fake, and you would just do like these little simple drills that you would do since you were in fourth grade. Mm-hmm. He said, BJ, I got one better. I I do that drill every day with my team. Mm. I go, what? Wait, you got Steve? You got you got Steph Curry and these guys. He was like, every single day he goes bj like you can't win without it Mm. and i thought here we are in 2020 and we talking about one foot jumps you know fadeaways (laughs) and yeah 30 foot shots this guy's shooting from and here's the coach who's been to the the last five straight finals got three championships one i don't know five or six as a player and the only thing that matters Every single day. He said, BJ, we do the same exact. And we had a good laugh about it. It was a laugh. I was like, come on. I was like, really? I was like, I got to go see this. He was like, yeah, come to practice one day. He goes, we do this every single day. And that is the game of basketball. Absolutely. And I, I just had one like quick story on that, piggybacking off that. I remember I watched this you know, documentary. This is probably like 10 years ago. So I make it all the, the details a little bit off. But when Phil Jackson first went to the Lakers with Shaq and Kobe and that team, he took them out to Oxnard or something. And the first day of practice, all they worked on was chess passes. And, <laughs> and, and, uh, and Shaquille O'Neal and, you know, all these other guys, you know, they're so confused because they've heard about, you know, the Zen master that he's, you know, this, this basketball genius that's going to come in here and have all these, you know, strategies that are going to blow your mind. He's going to teach you the triangle offense, but they spent the whole first day with chess passes. And I think, you know, that's something that gets lost. Everyone wants to overcomplicate the game and the game can be simple. Like you said, as simple as that answer from Bill Russell, which is the fundamentals. And if you have a base and you can build off the base, then you can be great. It's like a tree, you know, where we all got roots and you can grow up and it can all look different in different variations. But as long as you have the foundational base there, you can be great, and I think greatness comes from that. And we all, we can all get lost in that uh, at times. And I, I always found that fascinating that Phil Jackson, you know, after winning six titles with Michael Jordan, he's like, let's work on uh, chess passes <laughs> and, <laughs> and how to and, properly and throw it. one. Yeah, that's it. And, and, and you look, you can't see it here, but I have Bill Russell. I have three of my favorite players: Bill yep. Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, Kareem. Um, you know, I got Muhammad Ali over there, and. I've always been infatuated with this, but to hear Bill Russell's answer, it was so simple, but it was just brilliant at all at the same to where it took me, I mean, I played in league 11 years. It's probably three or four years afterwards where I ran into him and he explained it to me. And then it was like, poof, everything opened up. Mm. Everything's opened up. And then, you know, if you think about Kobe Bryant's game, he was infatuated with fundamentals. Mm, definitely. 
Okay, Textbook. so now, so now I understand when I used to watch Michael practice. Like I would be practicing on everything. Like I'd be shooting a hundred shots from this corner, a hundred shots from that corner. Michael would be working on the same move. Like the whole time while I'm on the other end working on, I'm trying to get up, you know, a thousand shots in an hour. I'm just trying to get reps. He's working on the same. I'm like, okay, after you make that move, what happens? And I remember he would always be like, you know, I just have to be ready for when this is going to happen because I know I can do everything else. And I remember, and I hear stories all the time, people talking about Kobe Bryant. And I was, and I would always think to myself, that's what he was doing. Like some of them understand the game to that level of excellence. And when you see it, you know, because it's, it's very rare that people understand it to that level. Right. Mm. And but Bill Russell. So now if I want to know who's a great offensive player, I always ask the guys on defense, mm. like who's the hardest guy? And they all say the same thing. You don't want to play against a player that has. That can just do everything. Because mm-hmm. what can you take away? You can't take away everything. I can take away some things, but you can't take away everything. And so that's my Bill Russell story. And uh, now I got to, you know, continue to tell you what I don't know about the game of basketball. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it. I think we can. Uh, I think we can wrap it up there. I mean, this is uh, this is where we are. We're in the conference finals. I think uh, you know, walking, watching Jokic. You know, just from uh, just talking to you uh, in the last series, you were like, just watch Jokic when he starts bringing the ball up. Um, that's when things are going to start clicking for this Denver team. They have a plan. If they're down by 15 points, all right, now we click over into this offense and Jokic is going to take over for us. And I think, you know, having a player like that, having a 3D player, Jimmy Butler, same thing in Miami, LeBron James with the Lakers. We're very fortunate that we're watching, you know, uh, greatness happening in these slivers of spaces in the playoffs. And um, it's fun to watch it happen in the bubble. And I know you and I are are definitely enjoying this. And, uh, you know, as we see these series play out, you know, we're hoping that the people and the listeners are pushing through that they have something they can point to and say, look, there's Jokic being the new big fundamental. And I, and I see it now. And uh, we, we enjoy talking about this. And and, and uh, BJ, I'm, I'm excited to uh, see what happens in these series. And we'll be back on Tuesday to break it all down. Game four, my friend. Let's get it. I think it's going to be a great game. I think mm-hmm. it's going to be a high intensity game. And I'm going to say this and, and we'll come back. Hmm. If the Lakers don't win this game, Tate, we got problems. We got problems. American ba- American basketball's got some problems. If that's we got the case. problems if if they don't win Game Four, we got a real mm. problem there. Watch out for the Balkan boys. The Balkan boys are there. <laughs> They're ready to pounce. They're ready to pounce. All right. Yeah, well, absolutely. we appreciate we appreciate y'all listening to pushing through, and we'll be back on Tuesday.